Hello, this is GoDaddy.com calling to thank you for your ongoing business and inform you that you have products in your account set to manually renew, which will expire if no action is taken. Yeah, buddy. Welcome to the Lifestyle Business Podcast, where we believe building a business is the ideal way more freedom and opportunity for you, your family, and those around you. And in the eternal struggle between Black Ops and GT5, we are currently coming up. I wish there was some way to combine the two. I love them both. And I'm glad we can't. I am joined today, as per usual, by my captain, my co-host, a man who will rev-mash the downshifts on a riding mower. Welcome to the program, Ian. And if you guys stick around to the end of the episode, we're going to talk about accessing your PayPal account from anywhere on the globe and one slightly evil and very badass way to jumpstart your program. Product sales. Ian, dish me the news, man. Hanging out in San Diego. Just got back long weekend in LA. I was at the LA Auto Show, which was very impressive. The new Porsches look slick, man. Yeah, they do. They got this new Porsche, man. The GT2. It's very hot. Other than that, I got not a big video game guy, but uh, since video games have gotten almost better than life, I've started to kind of uh, pick them up here and there. So uh, I got GT5 for my birthday. I've also been playing Black Ops. So if you guys want to play uh, either one online, hit me up. Give you my screen name, and uh, I'm currently getting waxed by 13-year-olds in both games, but I'm having a good time. Please, nobody take Ian up on that offer. Please do not take Ian up on that offer. <laughs> we will get nothing done. I'm in, in Manila, wrapping up the end of the month, organizing a fun little Christmas retreat for my local staff here. We're going to have a blast on a resort island together, and, and it's fun. In the Philippines, you can do stuff like that for pretty cheap. One quick thing, I just wanted to give a quick shout. I'm reading this uh, novel called Shantaram, and I'm like about a halfway through it. Some guy wrote it when he was in prison. It's about a guy who escaped from prison and, and went to India and, and got tied up with a mob and all this stuff. And it's just so cool. So I just wanted to toss it out there, give a little linksy. Yeah, another good book to read if you guys haven't read it yet, What Technology Wants by Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly had a pretty good interview on Twit TV with Leah Laporte the other day. He was plugging What Technology Wants. Yeah, that's a good way to kind of get into that book if you're interested. All right, I want to give a big shout to our sponsor, GutshotStudios.com. Thanks a ton for supporting the Lifestyle Business Podcast. Chris, the owner of Gutshot Studios, a WordPress expert and a longtime supporter and listener of the show. We commonly say on this show, if you're pulling around in your technology, futzing around with your widgets and your plugins and your design, you need to be spending your time getting new customers, building client relationships, testing your market. If you want to jumpstart your business, a great way to do that is just to get professionals involved that can get you a beautiful, functional site that meets all your needs. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Gutshot Studio specializes in WordPress blogs and business websites. Go with the pros from Gutshot. Studios. We got two new iTunes reviews this week, man. Give me the applause sound. First one from a lady from Seminar Genius. I've listened to everything now, and I'm doing round two with my notebook handy. I'm a woman and very ladylike. Of course she is, so yes, gentlemen, this is a co-ed sport. Also got an iTunes review from babystitches.com. I found your podcast while on vacation. I've since listened to every single show. It's fast-paced, and it's great for all business people. Cool. Oh, we got one more iTunes review on Visa V, the comments on our blog. It says, I only listen to two podcasts. Guys at Jet Set Life, of course, that's Rob Mortgage Hard. That's a great one. Uh, and ours, I am never disappointed. Every episode, I find some actionable 
tangible item that I can use in my business. Thanks so much for that, Sean Mathina from Find Your Peak on Twitter. We got uh, one question I want to address from Martin from the UK. We're doing a little bit of emailing back and forth. Basically, Martin's saying there's one thing in our business that's really holding us back, finding the right tools. We're all remote workers, and we need a good sharing platform for calendars. We've used Google Apps for the calendars, but they're reluctant to move away from Outlook as Gmail does not work as intuitively. This is a huge issue for corporations of all sizes. Everybody is on the Outlook mindset. People have been using Outlook for years now. And the question is, is should these guys move to Gmail? Well, we've both been on Gmail for about five years. Businesses are on Gmail. I mean, everybody is on Gmail that we work with. I don't think anybody's on Outlook. So we've made the shift. I know for larger companies, it's definitely hard because Outlook has some pretty powerful features. I mean, the calendar feature, the task feature. I think a lot of people have been using yes. those features for so many years that they feel a little bit tied. Google has the same features. You just have to learn how to use them differently. And I would say that they're almost as good. They're getting there, especially some of their online features that are pretty cool that you can share documents and spreadsheets. have been talking about this the last couple episodes. So I think it's just, there's a reluctancy related to time of use. I think people have just using it for so long, they're just reluctant to switch over. But it's it's not that much of a learning. Well, here's the thing. Outlook is a great program. People are sold on it and they have it in their workflow. They don't see a need to, to move off of it. This is very similar to the PC, should I move to Apple kind of debate. People, you know, that are using PCs, they're used to them, they really see no reason and all they see are the downsides. So let me just say this to anybody who's still on Outlook, to anybody who's still migrating those PST files, to anybody who is still oh, worried about all their contact list or is still worried about calendar that, or setting a meeting for people, somebody that might even Ian, be still worried about security, like who, who controls their emails and all this stuff, where is their data, what's going to happen in the cloud. Once you go to Gmail, once you make that mental commitment and you get yourself set up in Gmail, you're never going to want to go back. And it's the same way with going into a MacBook Pro, Ian. The sec- I mean, it, it only took me an hour to fall in love and to really commit myself to it. And it's just, I can't imagine using a PC now. And I just can't imagine using Outlook. I can't imagine not being able to search my emails, for example. I can't imagine not auto-labeling stuff and sending from multiple domain outbound stamps and popping stuff, email reminders from my Google Calendar. There is strong functionality in Outlook, but to me, there's absolutely no question. Gmail is a superior application in almost every way. Get on Gmail. We put our company on Gmail three years ago. Uh, we have Google Apps integration and we're never looking back. I, like I've never heard anybody make the argument who's actually used Gmail in a business setting who said, yep, can't do it. Companies with several hundred to several thousand people be a little bit more tough to be on Google, but I don't think it's out of the question. No, I absolutely agree. And you know, it's, it's one of those inevitability things too. I mean, if the products stay the same, Google will continue to take market share and, and that market share will include large multinational corporations. Like for example, the city of Los Angeles is on Google platform and why shouldn't they be? It's better than the Microsoft platform right now. So that's my answer to that. And one quick thing, of course, about sharing files with your remote team, get on that dropbox.com and of course, Google Docs for project management as well. So we're going to get into the meat and potatoes, Ian. This is a bit of a somber topic. It's a difficult topic, but I want to tackle it. I think there's so much information here. Okay, so we both know the fastest way to grow a business is to hire people. With hiring people, obviously comes firing. That's what we're going to talk about today in the meat and potatoes is firing people. There's a couple of different kinds of fires, I think. There's layoffs, which basically maybe you're downsizing. Maybe the position has changed and there's no need for that person anymore. There's the fire that you know is coming and that they know is coming because they've screwed up multiple times and it's evident to everybody around them that this person should no longer work for the company. There's a 
third kind of fire, which I think we're going to focus on here today, and that is the less obvious fire, which might be really obvious to you, but the person getting fired has no idea it's coming. Uh, I think by far this is the most difficult kind of fire because uh, it's it's basically a blindside in a lot of ways. Yeah, and it's also the most valuable kind of fire to do. And that's why we're going to talk about today. It's, it's a really tough topic. Definitely in my business career, thinking about the times that I've sort of proactively singled someone out. And one sort of metaphor for this is it's like trimming a rose bush, right? Because trimming a rose bush, you have to cut off some blossoms. So some things that are contributing, you know, they're not like totally bad. They've got a lot of good things going on. It's possible they could make some changes or whatever. As sort of a, a very tenacious manager, CEO, owner, um, you just know that your organization would be healthier if you trimmed certain negative elements out of it. This is extraordinarily difficult. In certain economies, like in Europe, this kind of firing might even be illegal or difficult to justify. In the United States, and especially in California, this is the kind of thing that can really benefit your organization when you can identify mediocre players that have a bit of a malignant touch to your organization um, that cause problems for your organization that you can proactively fire them. So that's what we're talking about. I just want to say, comment philosophically about this. This is the kind of thing that 99% of people people aren't willing to do. Therein lies your unique quality, also your responsibility to your organization to keep it healthy and to do the things that are hard that nobody else can do. And so this is, I think, one of those areas that you can set yourself apart in, set your organization apart in. Absolutely, Ian, firing people in this category of people has been the most difficult business tasks I've ever undertaken on every level, like emotionally and just the logistics of it and everything. I've got to say, though, when I think back to those decisions, they were the most important ones that I made, too. In California, we're an at-will kind of state, so you can fire somebody basically with zero justification. That's not necessarily the case, like you mentioned, in other parts of the world. And if you try to fire somebody that's a mediocre employee, say, in the government or maybe in the educational system, it's nearly impossible. Make sure when hiring a new employee that in their employment contract, it stipulates, if at all possible, in your state or governance that they are an at-will employee. Even more critical is the way that you set the mindset between you and them on a personal level. So I do two, I do this two ways. One is I always stress the importance of a 90-day trial period under which they'll be under heavy scrutiny and often and I, I focus on this word fit. It's not always about achieving the goals, but it's also about achieving a fit between them and the organization. So I always focus, you're going to be sitting back in this office in 90 days and we're going to be talking about the fit. Ian, sometimes I'll mess up in an hour judging somebody's personality, but I'll never really mess up in 90 days. 90 days is enough to suss out people right. who aren't going to be a great fit. And here's here's one thing that people do as a defense mechanism that is absolutely poisonous to an organization. You need to be clear as the founder or the CEO of your company, as the president, your only responsibility is to the health of your organization. And you want to get your employees onto that mindset as well. We're here for this company. The second that either of us aren't the best for this company, one of us is going to be out of here. Your opportunity isn't going to come through kicking, kissing my butt. It's going to come through this company, vis-a-vis this company. This company doesn't owe you anything, right? So many founders and CEOs get themselves daddy complex, right? Like that they're sort of responsible for their employees' welfare and this stuff. That's such crap. And it's always used as a justification to avoid the painful business 
of firing people that are no good for the health of your business. Now, fair enough, this is a lifestyle business podcast. If you want to take people under your wing and I'm not going to take care of you and be patronizing and, and keep you in the company, even though you're not contributing or flourishing in the company, I don't like that attitude. You know, that's patronizing and that's not a respectful way to, to operate for your business. And a lot of times people are better off without the company. How many times have you fired somebody or how many times have you seen somebody get fired and because of the circumstance that throws them into another circumstance, which is better than the one they were in before? I mean, us or CEOs dictating what's best for our employees outside of the company doesn't make sense. So you need to do what's right for your employees in your company. And if that employee doesn't fit, you need to get them out of there and not necessarily worry about what's going on with them after they leave the company because they might be better off. I've heard CEOs say to me, you know, point blank, well, I'm not going to fire X even though she or he isn't doing the best job because what is she going to do? She has kids, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, what a patronizing thing. They're in a role not to be, they didn't come to your business or they shouldn't come to your business to take on a new person who's going to make judgments for their life. They came there to make a paycheck and to flourish in a company. And you're going to keep them on even though they're not fulfilling that promise. And they don't even know that. To me, it's like you're almost, you're, you're letting somebody live a lie, right? You're letting somebody be played like a fool because you and everyone, maybe other people in the team all know this about them and you're not letting them know. They're not a contributing, an important contributing factor of the company anymore. There is this presumption, presumptuousness that comes into these business dealings. And I, I think it's always the same reason because people want to avoid the dirty business of firing people that don't know why they're getting fired. This is the hardest fire then. Absolutely. So let's talk about the sort of nuts and bolts of how this comes together. When you know, when you, when you have that experience, like you're in a relationship and you just know that, oh man, this isn't going to work out. Even though you're still having fun, maybe things are still going well, like the the parties are fun and everything, but you just know it's not going to work out. Here's the thing. You're in the relationship and you've already got plans to go visit their family during Christmas. You've already bought the tickets, right? Then you've already got You've already got plans for Valentine's Day, so you're screwed, right? You figure, well, I'm, I'm just going to like ride this out. Well, the, your business is way too important to get hung up on stuff like that. It's the moment you know, you have to act on it. What I start to do in these situations is, first off, I start to freak out because I hate doing this. But I know that it's what's going to set me and my business apart. So I know that I got to do it. So what I'll pull together is a script. What I'll always do is I'll extrapolate top-level principles based on some of the failings, but I'm always going to focus on issues like fit and very broad principles that they can't argue against. One thing I've noticed when firing people is that you're going to see passion and fire and fear, and you're going to see an incredible range of emotional reactions, some of which are going to be extraordinarily compelling to you in the moment. So you've got to walk in there with a final decision, absolutely final decision. There's not a chance for them to sort of make it up in a tearful speech or passionate retort because you're going to get incredible responses out of people. You know, it's like they're filled with adrenaline. I've fired passionless people and then have seen more passion in them when they're being fired than I've seen in anybody. You start to question yourself in the moment. So you have to walk in there with an absolute final decision, lock yourself in and high level principles that you can't get into a discussion about. Because here's the common advice, Ian. Common advice is to walk in there with three warning slips and particular things that they mess up. That's great if you're firing the loser at the end of your chain, but you're not firing the loser. You're pruning the bush here. You're not going to have that big list of stuff. You don't want to put them in a position where they feel like they can argue against you. It takes two to tango here, Ian, and it's it's 50% at least your fault that they're getting fired. You need to impress upon them that it's your responsibility to make these kinds of judgments for the organization, and it's an issue of fit, and this is a firing out of fit. You can't break that down into individual tasks for them. It's an issue of fit. It's an 
issue of culture. It's an issue of forward direction. And you are 100% responsible for that. That's why I don't like to sit, sit these people down and sort of list for them like I'm their father. Like, here's what you can do to improve. And here's your exit kind of interview. And how about you get more professional for your next job? It's like, you know what? If, if I didn't think they were professional enough, it was my role to figure that out before I hired them. Not to sit them down in a patronizing way and list for them all the issues that could just be particular to me. So I always look at it like that, Ian. It's 50-50. It takes two to tango. It's a relationship. It's not, I'm their schoolmaster and they're the naughty kid and I'm listing off all the things they need to do. Because that's just not the situation. You got to do what's best for the company. Best for the company isn't always the easiest and that's why you're the CEO. I don't think it makes sense to patronize people and I think it makes sense to leave people with their dignity. So I'm agreeing with you on that point. I don't like to dig out particulars about what they're doing wrong. I like to say this wasn't a good fit. If I do feel like I can give them a good reference, I'll offer to give them a good reference. Yes. Also, you need to plan for uh, severance. Been there for more than six months. You also need to plan healthcare package benefits with them. One of the ways to make this easier, that's not going to cost you a lot, is maybe you give them a decent severance, maybe one to two weeks. And then something that's a little bit cheaper for the company is healthcare benefits. So you could say, look, we're going to give you two weeks pay, and then I'm going to extend your healthcare benefits for the next two months. I think some people in Europe are just probably just going, what the heck do you guys live in freaking, you know, I mean, it's, it's cutthroat. You know, the United States working scene is much different. I generally am more generous than two weeks just because I do feel so culpable in these kinds of fires. I feel very responsible for having made a wrong, a bad decision. Um, essentially, I feel like it's my fault. And so I do, I am quite generous on the severance. I love the extension of the healthcare, relatively inexpensive to extend them a longer healthcare runway. There, there oftentimes are, the employee will sort of capitulate to you. They won't fight or like make a big display, but they'll kind of be like, want to strike a deal with you um, yeah, and very never ever make extend it like let them work another day or another week or another month don't want dead weight it's one of those things Ian that once there's certain things that you say that you can't unsay that are just change the whole nature of the relationship and of course it's a security issue and all this stuff so absolutely final decision and absolutely they're not coming back to that off two important things there's no point in sort of trying to make a bad thing good like they just got fired they just lost their job absolutely final decision and so so with the final decision, you know, there's some logistics involved, passwords, keys, pass off, things like that. Make sure that you have that plan plenty in advance so you know exactly how this is going to go. If you're in a small office or if there's not a lot of privacy, you know, it might make sense to ask other people not to come in until later on that day or not to come in at all. Just kind of plan it out so this person has their dignity and then also plan it out uh, for security so there's no way that this person can, you know, steal data from you or do anything malicious. I just want to, you know, close the conversation with just a personal note. We talk about the stuff kind of flip, maybe a little glib. And I just want to say that the moments that I've had to make these decisions in business, have I'll never forget them. They're extraordinarily difficult. This is absolutely one of the most difficult things you'll do in your business. And every time that I've done it, I've been right. And we've been better. The organization has been healthier. Everybody has ended up being healthier. More people have gotten paid. More revenue has come in. Uh, you know, more employees have gotten good jobs because these extraordinarily difficult decisions have been made. Part of the reason, Ian, that I just do not envy your position and I'm so thankful for you taking up the role as CEO in our company is that you do have to take on these tough decisions and carry them through. You know, it's why you get paid the big bucks. It's I, it's part of the reason why our company is, is very successful right now. And I don't envy that role at all. So it's what sets you apart. It's, it's what sets the business apart. And it's absolutely critical to having a successful business. And let's get moving on to the quick tips. 
tricks and or funny jokes section. All right, Ian, so we had a pretty uh, somber, somber episode, so... Somber but necessary. Quick tips we want to talk about very quickly. First, I'm going to post this on the blog, Ian. Jamie Marsden sent us a very sharp PDF on how to hack above-the-fold AdSense sites. Essentially, here's what you do. You find sites that allow AdSense blocks, image ads, above the fold on their website. Within the text. Within the text. Now, a lot of times, these sites will have some sort of side navigation. He learned this a hat tip to Frank Kern, famous internet marketer in San Diego, and we've got a display of exactly how this works. It's very clever. Essentially, what you do is you create an ad. Rather than just a normal ad, Ian, like we would do, say, you know, here's our picture of our product and it's 20% off. He creates an ad that has relevant information, but it looks like the navigation of the site. Right, so same font style, same photo style. Actually, it looks like part of the site. Slightly evil, apparently incredibly effective. So we haven't quite tested this one out, Ian, yet, but I think we should. So we're going to post that on the blog. Thank you, Jamie Marsden from musetraffic.com. Jamie's a baula baula. Second quick tip, Ian, and this is sort of a theme on this travel lot. We use PayPal. You have suggested in the past actually throwing Molotov cocktails at their corporate headquarters. I got a different line from them. I called PayPal last week and I said, look, guys, I say this thing I said every time to them. Look, guys, I'm constantly traveling. Can't you flag my account? And for the first time ever, I got a new response, which was, first off, we can. I will prove the IP address you're at. So you can call PayPal now and get an approved IP address if you're in a foreign country. This is amazing. Amazing. I'm starting to take back everything bad I said about PayPal in the past. This is great. How freaking difficult could it be? And so the second thing that they offered me, which I have yet to test out, they've sent me a key card. This is my business residence, so I have to go back and pick it up in a few weeks. But essentially what that's going to allow me to do is generate a real-time security code so that I can log into my account from anywhere on the planet. Thank you, PayPal. PayPal for taking some strides to improve this awful situation of getting locked out of your account when you log in from weird positions. Now, uh, the guy from PayPal told me that using services like proxy.org or hidemyass.com, which we talked about in the past, they're actually flagged by PayPal as IPs that do shady stuff. Apparently, that option is not as good as we thought. So just wanted to get a lot of you guys out there traveling, having PayPal woes. So just wanted to get you updated on what's going on with that. Ian, talking about uh, letting people go, firing, termination has tired my soul, and so I'm going to go jump in the pool and swim some laps. What are you going to do? Yeah, buddy, I'll see you on the PS3 in a few hours. <laughs> oh, my God. Please, nobody take Ian up on that. All right, let's get it some rockin'. This is one of the best songs ever. This guy just wrote the song, and he was done for life. He wrote in the meantime, and he was like, done, and we're done. Thanks for joining us at the Lifestyle Business Podcast. Guys, see you next week. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything.